What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. We can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. Nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits conquer fear, or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. We look to the future but embrace our past. We study. We analyze. We race on Sunday so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously. Through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection, we learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision.
25 ball here from Grunball. Kingsley turns that far sideways. Brian the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallon Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Fly Racing Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Justified Cultures, Traction MXC Covers, and Moto Ice Wrap. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. Let's let's put our broadcasting hats on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, um, the the week the weekend that was as far as uh, your your time at the. Like, I, I'd love to kind of find like what, what's like you were at a dealer show or not a dealer show. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, like well, it was what, a dealer what, show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, what, the, the, it was the parts limited. Uh, they consider they call it their NVP show, and so it's where mm-hmm. they bring in all the reps and uh, a lot of the key dealers from across the country that can that can attend. It's in. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin, which is uh, pretty close to Janesville, which is where their main headquarters are. Um, and we've been with Parts Limited for, you know, since the beginning, really. And uh, they're one of our strong partners that uh, help us in Canada and Europe and here in the U.S. And uh, so, you know, we, we got there and we set up a booth and we uh, shake hands and, and get to introduce ourselves to some of the new faces, uh, new reps and things like that. And um, just kind of get the state of the address of what they see, what's going on, and kind of put our ear closer to the fire. And, um, you know, we want to be on the, the forefront of things and um, working with those guys. So, yeah, it's, good. it's always good. It's about once a year they do that, and it, uh, it's cool. Absolutely. So, like, uh, what part, how much of that is, like, product knowledge and uh, sitting down or sitting in front of a number of, uh, of dealers to basically uh, get them informed on uh, either anything new coming in with FMF or just more or less driving home the, uh, the core values of a company that has been woven within the fabric of uh, North American motocross for over 40 years? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, most of it is getting getting with the reps and showing them, you know, that what, what we have available already for 2018, stuff that's already hitting their uh, parcel limited warehouses. So that way, when they're out visiting the dealers, they already know, like, hey, you know, we are, we've already got this stuff, the, you know, the 2018 YZ450, you know, Honda stuff, you know, new KTM stuff. Um, so it's really kind of we're, show, we're showcasing that stuff. I mean, uh, you know, for, for FMF, I mean, they obviously know what we do and what, what we make, and we're going to offer something for – you know, every, you know, off-road machine. So that's kind of already established. Now, if you're, you know, a new company coming on the market that Parts Limited has taken on, you know, whether it's, you know, a new gadget or something, then you're really going to want to spend the time trying to get to as many dealers and and get the reps over to your booth to to show them, you know, who you are and introduce yourself. You know, for us, we're pretty established. So, um, you know, they they stop by um, just to kind of check out to see, you know, what, what's already in stock, what can they sell. So that way, you know, because those reps, you know, they make their money off of going to, to these dealers and when dealers purchase products from, from those reps. So they kind of want to get get the, the latest and greatest stuff as quick as possible. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all in all, it's a, it's a good event and a good show and great for, for our brand to showcase uh, our, our relationship with Parts Limited. 
For sure. And like uh, you've been going to these for quite a number of years. How has your approach changed over the years and uh, basically getting people excited about a brand that they're already aware of and that they know that there's a lot of uh, like there's, there's quality and craftsmanship put in place. But uh, like how do, how do you get people excited about something that they already know about? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's always the hard part. You know, you always got to be creative a little bit, and um, you know, whether that's your, with your booth or, uh, you know, doing cool things at your booth. Like, we, you know, we showed the, the motocross race live in, in Indiana, so we had quite a few people at our booth. So it's little things like that you can get people over. Um, actually, this is my first time ever going to, to this event. I haven't been to a trade show since uh, the indie, indie days. Um, oh, okay. You know, I've, I've been so focused on, you know, getting getting out to events that we sponsor and obviously, uh, you know, Supercross, Motocross, you know, GNCC type stuff, plus traveling to Europe. So I haven't really had a lot of time to to get to these type of events, but it's something that's definitely important for me that, uh, that you know, I show face and, um, you know, if, uh, you know, if my dad can't can't be there, um, which he's generally not, he's always in the back of the shop working. So it's uh, it's important that there is an Emler there on the premise, is what I feel. So uh, that way, you know, they know that we're taking it seriously, and they they really appreciate uh, you know FMF showing up. We've got a great sales team, so uh, they do a, they do a great job. But uh, sometimes it's good to just kind of poke your head in every once in a while. So since we last spoke about six weeks ago on the Big MX Radio podcast show, uh, you've been jet setting. You've put put on some serious miles, my friend. Uh, whether it was Loretta Lynn's all the way uh, to, uh, I believe you took in uh, the Lomel GP, and then uh, I believe a Cana- an American National uh, somewhere mixed in as well. Uh, you've been putting on miles, and uh, I believe your dad was even along with you for for one of those junkets. Yeah, I know for sure. We uh, last before we spoke, I was getting ready for Loretta Lynn's, and uh, so I. Was, uh, Uh, to check up on those guys, and uh, man, it was it was a blast. 
So when you go to these events, uh, yourself as well as your dad are pretty iconic and, and very well known, uh, both with the work that you've done and, uh, and just vis- visibly. People, people recognize you and they see you. Do people take you aside and kind of, uh, tell you their, uh, their FMF story a little bit? Because I, I gotta imagine that is one of your, uh, favorite parts about traveling is that people are always excited to, uh, kind of share their, uh, relationship with the brand that you've become synonymous with. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing. You know, I get to hear the stories of uh, Big D back in the day, you know, whether it's the rental cars or uh, things that he's done in, in his prime or, uh, or you know, myself. And I, I've been going to these races for so long, so it's cool to see these kids that have grown up, you know, racing for us since they were on 65s and now winning, you know, either world titles or, or U.S. championships uh, like such as Zach Osborne this year. So, you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal and, and neat to see. It's kind of crazy just – I'm pretty young, but I've been in the sport for over 18 years already. So it's, uh, it's time flies. No kidding. And congratulations on that championship, uh, Zach Osborne. A lot of hard work, both in Europe and in uh, in North America, doing his deal. And uh, it all it culminated with a sweep of both a 250 uh, F, the the East Coast Supercross title, and uh, and also uh, at an Ironman, which wrapped up, or actually in Bud's Creek, wrapped up the championship for uh, the 250s. You got to be pumped about that. Yeah, that was actually. Uh, I mean, him winning the Supercross was just unreal i mean the, the place is going nuts and we were so stoked that uh that that he was able to clean savachi out and uh and, and take it to the uh the checkers i mean i think that'll go down in the history books of uh of what not to do on a in a main event fighting for the championship and what to do when you're uh when you want it that bad um and then you know him winning this year's 250 motocross uh championship that that marked our fourth in a row so for us i mean it's uh, it's pretty amazing because you know we we haven't always focused on you know just trying to win win win, um, but somehow uh, it's kind of been that way. You know we we try to focus on you know all aspects of the sport from off road to motocross to amateur racing, and you know I think we we've, we've never taken racing super super serious as far as uh, from like a marketing point. Like that's what we have to do. We have to win races. We you know we market in other ways, but it's always nice when you can win and win a championship. Yeah, that like uh, winning those championships, two different manufacturers, and uh, getting the job done, as well as I believe all four bikes at uh, this year's uh, ISDE in uh, uh, is is our, our FMF as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, they're on uh, day three today. Unfortunately, you know, all went out in the first day with with a broken uh, wrist, possibly. So you know, our chances of Winning the overall again for the second year are out the window, but the guys are fighting hard trying to get uh, individual uh, status. Um, you know, we have Sipes and uh, Taylor Robert, Caleb Russell, and uh, Thad Duvall. Uh, so all of them were FMF, and we've got the whole uh, junior team as well. And uh, so go. they're ripping out. You know, so you gotta, you know, you gotta do a little bit of everything. We, you know, anything that involves, uh, you know, Team USA. You know, we we love we love. Uh, going over there and representing our country and you know that's who we are as a brand and we're you know american made and we're living the american dream so you know we uh we definitely get behind it you know we we really support the isd team we uh you know we do a lot of stuff with them and um yeah it's it's been it's been awesome in addition to the exhaust systems, are they also wearing the uh, the, the the very limited edition uh, Ethica uh, collab with uh, with FMF that came out, the black and yellow that came out just a little while ago? I got to get my hands up on a pair of those. 
Yeah, um, you know what? I, uh, I We didn't get them in time to get that stuff to them, but uh, they've got some special FMF uh, attire that we sent them. We sent the whole team, moms, dads, mechanics. Everyone's got the, our T-shirts on over there. They're representing them. So it's, uh, it's a little stuff that you can do for Team USA like that. And, uh, you know, now we're just getting ready for the next venture, which is the Motocross of Nations coming up in uh, Matterly Basin. And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate enough the last two years to have um, all three riders. And then this year um, we have both Thomas Covington and Zach Osborne. So, you know, we're just getting ready for that. We'll be, um, for our third year in a row, we'll be doing our United by Power uh, video series. So we're really trying to cover as much live content basically to get to uh, social media as quick as possible to uh, give the fans back at home some insight on uh, what goes on behind the scenes. And um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to that. I mean, it's just kind of nonstop, really. There's so much going on, but uh, we just keep moving forward. Chance ability that this time, or at uh, the, the this year's more across the nations, you will be red, white, and blue clad, and uh, also having a lot of fun. I will not be there this year, unfortunately. Wow. But uh, I know it's uh, it's crazy. It's it's such a great event. Um, but uh, I'm just hoping that our guys can uh, do some work. It's, it's, it's always tough, you know, the, the three motos. It's, that's, you know, that's what's interesting about Loretta Lens as well. You know, you, you add that other moto in there, and then that's when stuff goes out the window. It's so hard to be consistent for, for three motos, and especially having two guys that you're relying on. Um, so, but uh, I'm hoping uh, those guys can uh, bring it home for us. We, we definitely need it. We're tired of getting second, and it's hurt the last two years losing to France, but those guys are uh, – they're really no joke, but I think this year, you know, the track's really fast. I think it's going to really suit suit our guys, as long as uh, England in October is a pretty pretty rainy season. So we'll see how how that works. Well, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about that team for a second. Now, uh, Osborne obviously is the 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 he's a, he's a lock. He's he's your absolute favorite on the 250F, and I'm glad that he was able to stay on it. Uh, the the question mark for a lot of people is this: Thomas Cummington. A lot of people, if they don't watch the GPS or if they just haven't seen a lot of the guy ride a, a 450, I know he did a little bit in the amateurs. Um, like, what what was your thoughts when he first got picked to the team, and uh, how are you guys going to help him out to adjust to that 450? And uh, I imagine uh, over the next Four or five weeks, he's going to be motoring down and, uh, and and getting getting used to the the 450. Yeah, he was actually out here in uh, in California all week, uh, riding at Glen Helen and stuff, riding uh, riding with the guys out here a little bit, getting used to the to the heat, getting ready for the USGP that's this weekend in, in Florida. So you know, these uh, the, the Europeans don't really have to deal with uh, the heat and humidity like like we do. For him, the race in Florida, it was smart for him to come out here and, and get some uh, some dry heat training at least, and then um, head back east. But uh, you know, I think he'll do. He rides the 450 really well. Um, he's a really smooth rider, uh, and I think it was really smart for Team USA to, to pick uh, someone that's been racing these guys over in Europe because he really understands, you know, the tracks, the format. You know, he he knows. You know, he races all these guys. Um, you know, all year long. Well, there you go. And uh, oh. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, you, you cut out for a second. Yeah. I thought you were uh, you were gotcha. finished. But uh, like, uh, just let's just talk over each other for a bit. That'd be good for listeners. But uh, <laughs> uh, um, in, in in all reality, um, it's going to be an exciting event, and I, I can't wait to watch it. Um, what, what's your prediction for our team? Cole Seeley, Thomas Covington, Zach Osborne. Um, like, what what do you think needs to happen for you guys to uh, walk away with a championship uh, like you've done many times before? 
I think it's going to be the starts for sure. I mean, they got they they've got to get a good start. I mean, they're starting on um, they start on those graded starts versus dirt for, that we start on. So the guys have to get used to that a little bit. But I mean, it's going to come down to uh, getting a good start because you know those guys over there they're all relatively a lot of them are at the same speed. So you, it's really really important for the starts. And you know, Osborne's kind of hit or miss on the start. It seems like you know he's either whole shot or he's buried in the pack and having to work his way through. So. It's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, I think uh, Steely's super solid on on the starts, and um, so I think um, you know he's definitely shown that he can run up there in that fourth, fifth spot here in, in the U.S. So I think that's going to be key for him to be consistent. You know, that's that's what we have to have is we have to have the consistency. That's what wins the the championship for sure. Fair enough. Now, uh, I got a box in the mail about uh, three, four weeks ago, uh, littered with some of the coolest moto gear uh, that, and I'm not talking my fly racing gear, you know I love that, but uh, the casual wear, my FMF clothing came in, hat, t-shirts, tank tops, you name it, even four pairs of socks, super pumped about it, and now all of that stuff is available to the masses. Where can people find out more information on it? Well, someone had to keep you looking good. And, yep. uh, that would be FMF racing. Um, yeah, we've got a full range of apparel. You can go to uh, fmfracing.com, click on the apparel tab and, and boom, it takes you into latest and greatest. Um, you know, we're shipping all in North America right now. Um, so, uh, stop by, check it out. We've got the, the latest stuff to keep you cool with the track. And, uh, you know, it's something fun for us. We, we, we do it because we love our brand and, and other people do too. And they, you know, we see how much uh, they love to represent, you know, at the track. So it gets us excited when we see that type of stuff when we show up at events. Absolutely. You want to be uh, looking good and you start feeling good when you look good. Uh, like, do you personally wear something FMF just about every day? Oh, of course. For sure. What, yeah. What's your go-to? Um, man, my go-to right now, it's the... Uh, our FMF uh, Wolf collaboration stuff that we did just because that was a fun little project that I, that me and my team uh, put together with the Wolf Enduro guys. And uh, I think that's kind of my favorite stuff right now, just because I had my hand in it from start to finish. Um, But uh, you know, anything with the classic logo and then I like to get crazy every once in a while with some of our crazier stuff, you know, our Ronnie Mack stuff. So, you know, you just gotta get a little bit of everything to pick and choose from. Absolutely. You, you pick your flavor and you run it. Uh, I, I was pretty stoked to re- be running the, uh, the FMF hat on, uh, on, on the golf course on, on Saturday before I had to go to work. Uh, I had, the, I had uh, a, uh, a Ride 365 mullet out the back of the hat. I had a Denny Stevenson Tough Racing uh, 1998 jersey on. It was a, it was a pretty good look. i got to send you a picture. I need that. Put that on Instagram. I will. Um, so, uh, and speaking of Instagram, not only do like, I'd say just over, is it over 400,000, definitely over 300,000 people follow, uh, FMF 73, but, uh, flying machine factory. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it's, it's more around like 730,000 if I'm going to shoot our over here, but, uh, that's for all the competitors to just keep wishing that they, they have to, uh, do a lot yes. more work. Um, anywhere close uh, the, the, the flying machine factory instagram is just something really fun that i kind of put together i really wanted to be able to showcase uh you know stuff from really cool photos from the past um and uh so we kind of keep that more uh, lifestyle really lifestyle driven um from certain projects we're working on you know the flying machine stories that we're doing right now um we've actually got a new one 
launching tomorrow with uh, Dan Laporte. So I'm really excited about that. So that's more of just a fun, nostalgic type of thing. And, and then uh, showcasing new projects that we're working on, really cool photos, a lot of imagery stuff. Nothing really about racing. Um, we keep that to the, the FMF 73 account. So it's nice to have be able to have uh, differentiate yourself. You know, it's super small, but uh, it's got a cool little following, and we're doing a lot of neat stuff with it. That you are. And and neat stuff uh, you're also doing with uh, Big MX Radio. And this is the part where we uh, introduce FMF as the official exhaust system of, of Big MX Radio going forward for the foreseeable future. And I'm excited to be working with you, my friend. Uh, I think that we, we, we get along great. We see eye to eye on a lot of things. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, uh, sporting uh, FMF not only on the podcast here, not only on my Instagram, but on, uh, on my motorcycles as well. So I'm excited about that as, as well. Yeah, it's important for us. I mean, you've got a great following, and the, and the people that follow your uh, your podcast, you know, are, are big fans of FMF. So it just really made sense. And um, you know, you were with a competitor before, but now we had to just up your power game a little bit, and uh, we're sure. really excited about that. Um, so you know, we're uh, we're looking forward to it, and looking forward to in, interacting with all your your fans that you have, and uh, and keep on pressing forward and, and having fun with it. Let the two-stroke Tuesday posts start to flow, and uh, some apparel, some apparel packages uh, flying around as, as well as I assume. Yep, for sure, man. We're looking forward to giving away some stuff with you guys, and get your followers stoked on uh, on FMF. If they weren't uh, fans before, they will be now, and uh, we look forward to it all. Fair enough. So, what's on the what's on the horizon for uh, Donnie Emler Jr. as well as FMF? I know you got you always got something cooking up and uh, something ex- exciting coming along the way. Oh man, there's always so much going on. It's hard to keep up with it half the time, but uh, somehow we manage. Um, we're just, uh, you know, just keep moving forward. We're, uh, you know, we're working on all the, we're finishing up on all of our 2018 stuff. We're pretty much uh, all locked and loaded, having everything in stock, uh, which is always important for us. You know, as manufacturing everything 100% in house, we are able to to jump the ball on that and, and get it out to the public. Um, but I'm looking forward to the weather stop being so hot here and yes. uh, actually getting to do some riding. Um, the last couple of years, it was tough with uh, with Little Man, but uh, now I'm able to free up some schedule time and uh, hopefully stop traveling as much and uh, go have some fun, twist the throttle. No kidding. Get some of that much-needed throttle therapy, which uh, we all need, and, uh, and, and and you're someone who's probably got uh, a, a number of uh, motorcycles uh, to, at your disposal. And just get like, dialing back just for a second there. Um, it's to my understanding that uh, the raw materials show up at the FMF manufacturing facility, and when they come out the other end, they're, uh, they're beautiful exhaust systems. Uh like, can you give me the Coles notes of that process? Because there's not too many companies where actual raw materials, big rolls of either titanium or aluminum or steel actually show up and uh, get turned into a, a finished product. Yeah, in the, in the George Jetson world, it would be great if the product would just show up like uh, raw material like it does in the back, and then you press a button and it pops out the other side ready to go. But in theory, that's kind of what it does. There's a lot more processes that uh, have to go through. But, yes, we uh, – we take uh, big 75,000-pound rolls of either steel or titanium, and uh, we're rolling our own tubing. We're uh, stamping out every piece of the exhaust from the strap brackets, um, pretty much everything you see except for maybe the, the rivets that we purchase, you know. And so it's, uh, it's a big big uh, thing for us here at FMF that everything is uh, controlled and we see everything going through the process. And, 
And uh, like we say, we're not just assembled in America. We are uh, actually made in America and, and right here in California in our manufacturing facilities. So that's a, a huge feather in our cap, and that's what we really, really focus on. Um, like I mentioned, uh, you know, there's a big new tube bender that just rolled in the back of the shop. We're always uh, trying to up our game and figure out how to do stuff quicker and get and get product on the shelf for all of our customers quicker. Well, fair enough. And like, uh, like speaking of manufacturing, and this is something that's always kind of uh, puzzled me, is that there's there's other competitors of yours that have dove into uh, uh, hard parts and, and building uh, different products for for like all over the motorcycle, not just exhaust systems. Why have you guys stayed so focused on exhaust systems uh, uh, predominantly and and gone forward with that rather than uh, ma- making a number of different products? Well, I hope our competitors continue to keep doing that because I think it takes uh, a lot of focus off what they uh, what they're probably uh, needing to be doing, which is uh, trying to keep up with us. But we do what we do best, and that is uh, keeping uh, SMF core, and, and we build exhaust pipes, and that's what we've always done. And, uh, you know, that's our passion and that and twisting the throttle. Um, so for us, you know, we'll, we'll always – you know, have little uh, little knickknacks and fun stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, we don't do anything else besides make exhaust pipes. And, you know, that's what we want to be known for. We want to be known for making the best product out there, and that's what we focus on. You've also been known for uh, taking home a number of championships at uh, both the professional and the amateur level. But uh, specifically this this summer, uh, you went to Loretta Lynn's and saw many a championship won with an FMF product uh, powering uh, the, the power plant. Um, what, what, what does that mean to you when you see it? And uh, and do you know how many championships you guys were able to come away with? Yeah, I believe we had a, about 20. So that's uh, a little, I think that's a little bit more than half of the field. Um, you know, that's, that's really important for us. Like I said, I've been going for 18 years straight to Loretta Lens and, you know, that's uh, something that was really, you know, important to me when, when I was kind of coming, coming up through the ranks here at FMF and, you know, we built such a great team with uh, with Joel and Kyle and the guys going to the races. I mean, you know, it's key to be out there in front of people, and you know, we really enjoy going to the races. I mean, we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't uh, enjoy making exhaust pipes and and being at the events. You know, that's that's part of it. You know, you can't just make a product and just you know put it on the shelf and just hope it sells. You know, we got to be out there in front of people and talking to people, and you know, that's what really FMF is great at is being in front of people and and shaking hands and high-fiving riders before they take off and, and high-fiving them at the podium when they win. Absolutely. It's a lifestyle, and I think you guys have driven that home, uh, like, th- throughout, especially in the last 10 years. Um, Donnie, when it comes to, uh, like, the, the image or the uh, how people connect with, with, with FMF, um, what do you hope that people bring to mind when they, they think of FMF? Is it, uh, is it Danny Laporte? Is it, the, is it the lifestyle side of things? Is it the pure performance, or is it all three? No, I think it's uh, the brand as, whole, as a whole. You know, I mean, FMF was, uh, was built on, you know, the passion for throwing a leg over a motorcycle and riding it, you know, and so... You know, for us, it doesn't matter if you race full-time or you're just going to the desert with your family. I mean, that's what it's all about is just riding. So we need more people riding in general. Uh, that's kind of a statement across the industry is uh, what they're seeing is we need to get more people on motorcycles. And, uh, you know, for us, that's what we love to do. So that's what we want people to take home from the brand. It doesn't matter if you're a hardcore racer or just a guy that's riding in your backfield. I mean, that's, uh, that's as long as you're having fun, that's what we're about. We're a fun company. 
you guys are a fun company. I, I'll, I'll, I've enjoyed working with you guys so far, um, and, and and much much more to come. Uh, as far as uh, like old two strokes, and I, I, I'm an old two stroke guy. I got my my 05 KX two fifty two stroke uh, that uh, I, I put too many hours on. But uh, what what would you say is the the most popular uh, request that you guys get for, uh, for for one of the older models as far as an exhaust system that uh, uh, is hard to come by? Yeah, I mean that'd be it. Can you make a can you make a pipe for my you know 1976 Elsinore, you know, <laughs> 125, and you know that'd, that'd be great if we if we could, you know. And, and unfortunately, we we do go back pretty far. I think it's about 1987, 88 right now, you know. But it's really hard to to keep everything you know always in stock. But I think that'd be our biggest request is if we can make like kind of like one-off products for people's people's bikes or projects or. You know things. You know whether it's you know a rolling sand design, making some kind of crazy contraption, and you know if we if we had a lot of uh, ample time, we would we'd definitely uh, probably do more of it. But unfortunately, we're uh, heads down trying to make sure that we're uh, delivering product to uh, to everyone that's uh, riding uh, somewhat of a current motorcycle. You know, like I said, we do go pretty far back still, so that's uh, definitely key for us that we offer something for a lot of motorcycles. It's just it gets to be a lot, a lot of product when you think about it. Fair enough. And uh, given the time of year, and this is completely off script, probably something you didn't think I was going to throw at you, but uh, I got two different uh, fantasy football drafts coming up this weekend. Uh, do you, are you uh, are you a player of fantasy football, my friend? And if so, uh, like uh, how many teams do you have? What kind of league is it? Or and uh, do you, are you even a football fan in general? Um, I love professional football i uh i don't play any fantasy leagues but uh i would have to say uh the patriots are my team i'm gonna be i'm gonna be lame i'm from i'm from la <laughs> um I'm, I, I gotta go with uh with with tom brady and the patriots man they're uh hey. they're unbelievable i mean we've got the uh we've got the la chargers now so it'll be fun to go to check them out they're playing in the stadium that's like really close to fmf and it only holds like thirty thousand people so I think uh, going to a game at such a small stadium would be really, really cool to see until they get their new fancy one built where the Rams and the Chargers are both play. But um, definitely not a Raiders fan. And uh, <laughs> so I was, uh, I was needless to say, I was stoked when, uh, when the Patriots came back this year and, and uh, beat the Falcons. Absolute, no, for sure. Uh, so, uh, in closing, what uh, what are we gener- uh, directing our our fans' attentions to right now? Where, what can people uh, like dig their teeth into as far as FMF content is uh, on on both social media and the website right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the coolest thing right now we the, the latest and greatest thing. I mean, obviously, our, our Instagram always uh, po- promoting uh, some pretty cool stuff, but. Um, Go check out uh, fmfracing.com, and then um, you'll see uh, one of the main uh, items you can click on. It's called the Fly Machine Stories. Um, we've got two episodes up right now, and like I said, we're dropping uh, the Dane Laporte episode, which is something that, you know, uh, for me it's really, really cool to uh, to help, you know, show people what uh, Danny's accomplished in his career. Um, and, uh, you know, we just did a really, really cool story with him in the, the Meta uh, Motorcycle book. And uh, so this kind of coincides with with that um, article that uh, Davy Coombs actually wrote for me. And um, so yeah, so go check out Fly Machine Stories. It's on our main page of our website at fmfracing.com, and uh, keep in touch. 
for sure. He's, he is the, the second American, after all. Uh, most people uh, like completely overshadowed by the fact that uh, it was uh, Brad Lackey who won the uh, one of the 250 GP title, or was it 500? No, 250. 250 GP, uh, GP t- title one week prior to Daniel Laporte doing it in the 125s um, and like, just stealing every single bit of thunder that could have come uh, with that championship being won the next year, like that, or the next week, rather. That's, uh, that's almost like a story that uh, is, all, is way too forgotten as far as uh, American Moto goes. Yeah, so actually Danny won the, the 250 a week after uh, Lackey won the 500. That's it, um, okay. And, and then Danny won the 500 uh, U.S. championship here before he went to Europe. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy story Danny has of all the stuff that he's accomplished. And so I would encourage people to uh, tune in to that, and you can kind of learn a little bit more and see uh, see Danny and, and myself interacting and uh, getting some some good stories out of them. I wish it could have, uh, we talked for about an hour, but we cut it down to about uh, nine minutes. So, um, you know, that's always the tough part, but um, it's, uh, it's a great little uh, story. So everyone check it in, check it out. And uh, we will catch up with, uh, with big MX radio here soon. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for the time. As always, really appreciate you. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Hey everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like zipper lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Colt Nichols. Brad, how you doing? Not bad, not bad, my friend. Uh, long time no talk. The last time we talked was uh, uh, Toronto Supercross. You're walking out after uh, a, a, a gutsy performance, my friend. It was after the, the press conference. Um, and the, I believe, uh, were, you, were you on the podium that night? Fourth. I was trying to pass, crash, and uh, ended up getting fourth that night. That's right, that's right. But, yep, uh, yep. but since then, you've had a podium most recently. That's why we call you up. We don't call you up when you don't do anything cool. You did something cool. Now we call you up for the Big MX Radio podcast show. Hey, fair enough. I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Lord knows that you'd have to win a race for uh, one of the other shows to call you up. But uh, I'll call you even after a podium, my friend. Great, great to talk to you again. 
Hey, fair enough. Yeah, it's great to talk to you guys. I'm looking forward to it. For sure, man. And sorry to keep you waiting. We had uh, Scott Steffi on the line talking about uh, the bar, the uh, well, formerly known as the Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team. They're in uh, in process of changing names uh, with the title sponsor for next year. But uh, oh, yeah? honestly, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Uh, 2015, you were number or 2016 rather, you were number 69. That's still the picture that I have for you in my phone. Uh, this year, you were number 39, which was uh, my number back in the day on. 80s, which is also very close to my heart. Both numbers, actually. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, let, let's like let, let's recap the 2017 season for you, my friend. It's been an, uh, it, there's there's been adversity, there's been elation, there's been uh, struggle, and uh, honestly, I think there are a lot of success on your side of the table. So uh, give us a little bit of a recap if you could. Uh, yeah, season honestly as a whole was. Uh... It was up and down for sure. I mean, it had its fair share of adversity and things I had to face and overcome. But going into the season, I was really prepared and, you know, really excited for Supercross to start. Got hurt, uh, had a big injury there, and that delayed the process. And Supercross went went pretty well. Um, ended up dipping out a little early with a little knee injury that was kind of a nagging thing and also a wrist injury as well. Um, so that kind of gave us a big delay for outdoors. And then going into outdoors, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, you know, it's my second season starting outdoors. I didn't quite have a full season last year. Um, so this is my second season and starting off at Glen Helen and Hangtown. And those races were really good uh, for me, and that was kind of unexpected. I didn't really know where I was going to be at going into those two. And I had a pretty good first showing, so that was kind of taken off looking to be um, what, I, what I thought was going to be a really great year outdoors. And then, honestly, after the first moto of Colorado, would just kind of – the wheels kind of fell off a little bit and went back east, moved to North Carolina, moved the whole program to Cooper Webb's place out there. And, um, you know, Gareth Swanepoel, Dylan Fernandez, Plessinger, um, Coop, I mean, all of us moved back to North Carolina. And it was awesome. I really loved it out there. And it was really great for us to change scenery and move to North Carolina and have something new to ride. And, you know, instead of being stuck in California and it was really well out there. Uh, we just we were really struggling with the bike all year. And, you know, I, I didn't really know it at the time, but I thought it was me. I was like, man, I'm getting tired. You know, I had 20 minutes into the motor, I'm getting passed and getting left behind at some of these guys. And um, we were just really struggling. You know, I didn't really know where to point a finger to. Obviously, it was to myself. So I said, you know, I must be getting tired. I must, I don't know, I was just struggling with something, and I didn't really know what it was. And, uh, man, we did some huge suspension stuff my mechanic actually came and stayed in North Carolina and we just really really worked on the bike you know he wasn't really concerned with motos and stuff and you know and I told him I was like man I'm just getting tired I don't know what it is and he was like well, let's just work on the bike and we worked on the bike and worked on the bike and we made some huge changes and then the last two rounds was the best I've felt all season and rode really well despite some first turn stuff and a crash here and there and uh ended up getting a podium at the last race so overall man 2017 was it was fun had a hell of a time um we learned a lot you know that was the biggest thing from injury wise injury prevention um you know just how to make ourselves a little better for this next year and that really that's all i can ask you know is that we're going to be a little more prepared going into 2018 and uh give a run for for a championship at, at both Supercross and outdoors. So as long as we could do that, I was going to be happy, and I feel like we accomplished that. So going into next year, man, I think we're we're looking up big time, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. 
For sure. Now let's talk a little bit about the aha moment when uh, you're working on the machine, you're, you're, you're going through all, all of the, the rigors of testing, and you actually end up uncovering something that allows you to uh, uh, basically flip a switch and, and realize that it, it's not an internal thing on your part. The, the fatigue is not totally due to uh, is, uh, your, your just like a lackluster training regimen or, uh, or cheating on that diet going to Chipotle every other day. It's, it's something that uh, the, the motorcycle was able to unlock for you. And, and once you were able to get that proper setup, you just uh, like everything starts clicking. And, um, and honestly, a little bit on top of that, I think the, the, the confidence comes up a bit like that. And then with a, with a, a better operating motorcycle, and a little extra confidence, some special things can happen, and uh, that means podium. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I mean, that that's kind of the whole thing is the confidence that comes with it. So once you – even if it's something so small, but it feels like you've been something you've been missing, you know, that confidence really goes with you. Like, wow, that was it, you know. Then even if it was something small, but for us it happened to be something really huge, and uh, it was a few huge changes, and – you know, that just really opened up a big box of possibility and what we could do. And then the confidence was there and it was easier for me to ride the bike. You know, I was fighting the bike so much the first 15 or 20 minutes of these outdoor motos, I could ride it decent. And then after that, I just, the wheels kind of came off. I was like, man, I can't ride the bike that way. It's not allowing me to ride the way I wanted to ride. And, uh, and it was showing, you know, I was getting past, you know, the motos. I felt horrible. Then some of the races I was coming off and I wasn't tired yet. I was going slow as hell. So I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what we need to do, but something is not right. You know, I, I didn't know if it was me or what, what it was. And obviously it turned out being the bike, you know, once we finally got a setup that was uh, better, you know, obviously it was me too. We just, you know, got back into getting a little more focused, getting everything completely dialed the way I needed to have it. You know, I needed to show up on Saturdays a little better and a little more prepared. And we were doing that. And, uh, it showed the last two weekends. You know, I think it was by far the best I'd rode. And, um, yeah, I ended up coming out with a podium at the last race. And the bike and myself were just actually working very cohesively, which is something we didn't really have before. And uh, I definitely think it showed from the outside looking in, even. So, uh, without going into too too much detail as far as what what changed, or say if you had to uh, make some like hardware changes to the motorcycle, uh, making those changes was the most difficult part about that. You just being a little bit uh, stubborn in your ways as far as what you like as for the setup of a motorcycle, and who was able to kind of open your mind as to changing some things because uh, you guys, I, I know you know you guys kind of like you're, you're prideful in in knowing what you like in, in a motorcycle, and it's tough to change those things. Who was able to kind of steer you in the right direction and uh and maybe if you can give us a little bit of a, a, an idea of what it is that changed whether it was like a handlebar position or uh um anything like that yeah that's a good question it was actually um i actually owe a lot of it to me just i mean going into california you know we tested all these california tracks so going into glen helen yeah. you have a setup fairly dialed for for glen helen you know you test there every thursday before they're you know, every Thursday before the outdoor starts. So whatever you can get going at Glen Helen is, is usually a pretty good setup. But Glen Helen's kind of a, a pretty one-off track, I think, in my opinion, as far as trying to get a bike yeah. set up for a full year. And we really like – I really like the bike at Glen Helen. I thought it worked really well for what it was. But I, the lack of time really is, is what it boils down to. To really try different things was not on my side. And, um, and, and that really was the main problem. So – 
after those rounds, you know, where the bike worked pretty decent at Hangtown and Glen Helen, you know, then we start moving to where the tracks are a lot ruddier. Um, they're not that as hard of a base. They're a lot deeper of a track and, um, they're honestly harder to ride, but the setup just is not going to work. I feel whenever you switch to the East coast and you start handling some more East coast tracks. So, uh, the setup was fine there, but like I said, we just, we didn't have enough time, uh, to really test those things. You know, I only had three weeks on the bike before Glen Helen or before Hangtown. So it was really just like, okay, whatever I'm running, let's just run it, you know, and <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go type situation. And once we got to North Carolina, Dylan Ferrandis was kind of have the same problems that I was having. And, uh, you know, where he kind of went after the bike, I kind of went after myself. I was like, okay, you know, maybe I need to do this better. I need to do that better. I'm getting tired. I don't know what it is. And, um, you know, he kind of went after the bike and he made some huge changes and he was doing really well on the weekends. And I was getting so frustrated. I kind of had a little bit of a meltdown at one of the tracks one day. And, you know, I just, I didn't know what to do. I was kind of at a crossroads there for a minute. And he was like, man, just go ride my bike. Just see if you like it. And I actually got on Dylan Francis's bike and rode it, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's what I've been missing on the weekends." You know, whenever the track gets rough and really ruddy and technical, and the track gets hard to ride, I, I felt like I couldn't ride it with the setup I kind of had going. And I hopped on his bike, and I was like, "Wow, that was it." You know, that was huge. And um, they had just made a lot of changes that were more suitable to outdoors. My bike was more set up for Supercross. You know, it was set up to turn a little tighter. Uh, you know, where the weight was on the bike was more tailored for Supercross and his was a little more tailored for outdoors. So that was just a, a big opening right there, a big find for me where I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's huge. You know, late in the moto, I, I need that feel um, to, to be able to still go hard and, and compete with these guys that are, you know, podium contenders. So once we kind of figured that out, I was like, wow, that that's what clicked really for me was, and I owe a lot of that to Dylan. He was very open about that and I needed to be a little more uh, open-minded towards some things like that to try and I just wasn't early enough but I mean that's okay you know we found it and uh, that that's what's most important instead of just sitting here wondering the whole time so um yeah Dylan honestly <laughs> was a, a big reason why I was like man I, I just need you to try my bike just try it and see how it is and once I did I was like wow that's that was quite a bit better so it was a big reason and honestly, that's not even that surprising. And that was one of the things that I talked about moving into this outdoor series is that, uh, like, what an asset that the, uh, that the star racing team has having a, uh, basically a, an outdoor specialist on their team, a guy who, uh, up until just this year, basically like 99% of his career was dedicated towards going fast on outdoor, like really wide open tracks. And, um, it's kind of cool that it, like he would end up, um, like fixing something for you and, and like during the, a time period when he was probably de- dealing with a, a wrist injury that eventually had him off the, off the races. And uh, because of that help, you almost caught him in the points, only two points away from him in the, uh, in the overall point standings. You take home seventh overall for the season. He's in, he finished off sixth and uh, got to be smiled all the way around for the, uh, the star racing guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think so, man. We had, a, we had an up and down year. I think all of us as a whole, you know, there was a few races where we were all not good and some were, you know, a few guys were really good and some weren't, but, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, he, he grew up, you know, racing outdoors. That was his thing, you know, so to get a bike set up for outdoors and all that, that's kind of his deal. And, you know, he kind of knew what he wanted. Me, I, I haven't really had that as much. I had the same problems last year. You know, I was just running into being like, man, I don't know what to do, you know, and trying to figure out what it is. And, you know, he came along and was able to really help me in that aspect. And, 
the, the rest of the team was too, you know, just being like, Hey, we need to be a little more open and maybe try some things earlier. And that was my own fault, you know, but we're learning and, uh, that's really all I can ask for. But man, yeah, as, as a team, I, I feel like we, we had a hell of a year. Um, all four of us, you know, I feel like we rode really well. Then the rookie, Justin Cooper came in and, uh, got a second at Unadilla. That was his first race. So, um, I think all of us <laughs> as a whole, man, we, we had a, we had a really good year. I'm pumped on it. And I think we have a strong, strong team going into next year. Absolutely, and, and a proven motorcycle. Um, what does the off season look like for you? Um, there's a, there's that USGP coming up this weekend. I don't know if you're you're scheduled for that. Uh, I don't know if you if uh, if, if straight rhythms on, on your radar. Um, but uh, like, what, what kind of events do you think uh, are going to be uh, kind of falling into your schedule over the next few months as you prepare to uh, make an assault on either the East Coast or the West Coast? Yeah, the off season right now is looking like a little bit of relaxed time here in Oklahoma for now. Um, yes. You know, I haven't got to come home since Thanksgiving of last year, so I wanted to come home and spend time with family. And yeah, really, really just relax a, a bit, you know, with them. And you know, I haven't really been home healthy <laughs> in a long time. You know, every, it seems like every time I've got to come home, it's because, like because of an injury or something that has happened. You know, yeah, yeah, something that's allowed me to come home, but. It's just been nice to be here and hang out and spend some time with my little brother. I haven't got to see him in a while, so it's been uh, it's been good to soak up some much needed family time. But no uh, no crazy races for me. Um, once it gets a little deeper into it, we might try to race a uh, race here or there. But no no straight rhythm, no GP this weekend. Um, you know, I'm just really really focused on trying to show up to whatever coast we're going to race next year, ready and, uh, and and to really make a legitimate run at this championship that's that's our goal you know to actually go out and try to win one of these damn things um not just a race but go, go to win a championship and be 100 percent prepared you know by the time we show up to the gate drop so that's really the main focus um this off season is going to be very we're going to lay low for i think i have a few more days off and then after that we we get back into it and it's time time to get ready whether it be anaheim one or i don't even know where east coast will start but uh, wherever that is, you know, we're, we're going to be prepared for it and, uh, be a lot further ahead of where we were last year. That's for sure. So I'm actually looking forward to this off season. It's going to be hard and, uh, but it's going to be fun. You know, I think I'm looking forward to the challenge and being prepared for whatever coast we show up to race. Well, safe to say that goal number one is to be at the, uh, the, the, the team, uh, team photos, uh, not on crutches and not just standing behind one of your bikes, uh, and having most likely somebody else, uh, taking your poster photos, uh, but being mm-hmm. there and, and able to, uh, whip the thing sideways so you can, uh, show it up for the fans and yeah, get, just get, get ready for the series, man. It's going to be great. Yeah. No, that's, that's the main goal, man. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. It's going to be a fun year. We, we got a little more under our belt. Um, you know, I had a new trainer this year, new team, new kind of everything. So we're trying to, you know, figure out how everyone operates. And, you know, when you get dealt with adversity, you know, how we all kind of come together and get through it. But, um, no, I'm looking forward to it, man. And this is going to be a fun year coming up. It's going to be sweet. Well, working with a, a guy, like, because you're working with Gareth Swanepoel, correct? Yes, yeah. So, so how how long uh, before he really had a good idea or, or some uh, really in tune with your body? I don't know the guy knows how to train just about anybody, but uh, the real art in uh, in training somebody is is just like being around them and and uh, just seeing their body and uh, and seeing how they're they're moving and and knowing how to attack each each uh, training session and um, when, when you need a day off, when you need to wick it up. Uh, how fa- how early was it before uh, Gareth really started to be able to uh, read you like a book just by you uh, standing there in street clothes? 
Yeah, well, it actually happened, honestly, it kind of sounds bad to say, but whenever I got injured, we, uh, whenever I first started training with Gators, we all got fitness tested, and you can really see your numbers and, um, you know, kind of how your body is and where I'm strong, where I'm weak, and things like that, and that was huge for us, because then we have a baseline to go off of, and we can kind of tailor my training program around that. You know, we do a lot of things as a group, but at the same time, you know, we do a lot of individual stuff as well, and trying to really fine-tune each one of us, because we all have different areas where we lack, and I've been strong in others, but whenever I got injured, it was just me and Gareth. So we had to work a lot of one-on-one and that was really good for me and actually really good for him too, to really figure me out a little bit more. Um, so our schedule was literally me and him waking up early before he went to the track uh, to train the kids. And it was, he was saying to me, you know, we were on the bicycle or in the gym or doing whatever we could to get my femur back where it needed to be. So I could show up to Minneapolis and race. And during that period, we really found out, um a lot about my body and what i needed and you know how i needed to recover and actually get prepared to go race and you know the areas where we lacked it was pretty easy to tell how to broke femur so it was like we really need to get this thing strong you know before we go race but and every other aspect too you know we were a lot of one-on-one right then and it was really actually very productive for both of us and that's something that you don't normally have you know we always usually go as a group so i really enjoyed that and i, I think he did too it was easier for us to kind of connect and uh get the body figured out a little bit more. Fair enough. Now, so uh, you said a few days off before uh, it's all systems go, uh, getting ready for Supercross and hoping to peak for that very first round uh, of whichever coast you end up on. But is there any chance that we see a uh, uh, a sighting of Colt Nichols on a, a YZ? And I, I do mean Z. It's Z up here in Canada. YZ 125 uh, r- ripping, the, uh, ripping the knobbies off of that thing or what? That actually is a very good possibility. Um, I have a, I bought a 125 for my dad uh, this past year, right before I went to California to start training. And he's rode it actually quite a bit, and it's sitting in the garage. I keep peeking in there and looking at that thing, and I honestly really want to go ride. I might, I might take it up to Robbie Rayner's place, and uh, he has a two stroke too, so he he challenged me a little bit. So I might take it up there and duke it out with him a little bit on two strokes. I hope yeah. that if that if that if that happens, I hope that there's cameras rolling because uh, uh, I think they call them viral videos, and uh, that would be one of them. I'm hoping so. Honestly, I'm trying to gather it up together and get a little time set up where I can get some people out there and get some filming going on. I can hop on the O2 stroke. Robbie can get out there. I think it'd be fun, man. So I'm gonna make that happen at some point. I don't know when, but within the next maybe uh, within the next two weeks, I'm hoping we can make that happen. Fair enough. Well, fingers crossed, and we'll all be following you at Colt Nichols. Uh, I think it's at Colt Nichols 39 right now? Yeah, I don't know. That whole number thing, honestly, is kind of gay, but I don't know where I'm going to end up next year. Who knows? But I'll probably change the number when all that comes out. But for now, Colt Nichols 39. Yes. 39. You'll change that. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, uh, yeah, maybe you'll luck out and be that number once again. But uh, either way, um, also wanted to ask you um, about uh, fantasy football. Do you play? And if so, because this is draft season, I'm setting up to do a couple of drafts this weekend. Do you play fantasy football, my friend? I don't actually, but me and Will Hahn have just been talking about this, and I, I kind of want to get into it because I'm a football fan myself. I don't know enough about it really, but I do want to get a little more involved. So I want to, I want to play. I just, I haven't yet. Well, 
Honestly, like if like not not to add anything else to your your already busy schedule, but I absolutely love fantasy football. Uh, obviously, you probably have your your favorite team. Not too sure which one that is, but uh, either way, uh, it just allows you to like if you like I don't maybe maybe you're a Kansas City or a. a um, a uh, what's it called uh, Raiders fan, but if you've ever needed a reason to watch a KC Raiders game, it's fantasy football because there might be some players in that that might actually have some some relevance to you, uh, and uh, and otherwise you, you wouldn't. So uh, it, it really makes it fun, and uh, you can you can uh, start trash talking Will Hahn ASAP. Uh, and if honestly, I I would love to start a league. Maybe I'll maybe I'll text him after this, and uh, maybe get ten people together for uh, for a fantasy football league. Yeah, that should be kind of fun. I mean, I trash talk him anyway, so that, that's just going to happen regardless. But I have a little more hey. reason to now, so I feel like I could do that. Exactly. How has <laughs> yeah, Will worked enough. out as a as a as a manager? I know the guy is uh, basically thrusted into that role. Uh, I would honestly say mid season, and uh, but uh, and honestly, he he raced for that uh, um, that team as a as a professional. Was there any time where he kind of got confused and started putting his gear on uh, between motos or? <laughs> Honestly, he probably could have. I mean, the dude still rips. He still goes fast. So, um, no, ne- never quite that. But I think he's accepted his role, and he he really likes what he's doing. And uh, man, I I think he's done a hell of a job. You know, he's been awesome for the riders. Um, like for me, I really enjoy having him around. He's got a lot of knowledge there, and can really help me in a lot of areas. And even with testing too. Like the dude was pretty good at testing when he raced. So he's kind of opened up some possibilities possibilities for us in the testing category as well. Um, I honestly really like having him around. I, I hope he doesn't want to leave anytime soon. Um, but I, I honestly really enjoy having him. He's been, he's been a very good asset to the team so far. Absolutely, my friend. Well, I'll let, I'll let you get back to the rest of your evening, my friend. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show again. Uh, you're a repeat offender, and uh, like I've, I've said a hundred times before, uh, uh, you're, you're great. You're one of the best interviews in the sport, to be completely honest with you, and I'd uh, love to have you on. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to catch up with you again before uh, the gate drops, uh, whether or not you're on it in, uh, in Anaheim. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be there regardless, but uh, most definitely it's been a pleasure as always. And, uh, yeah, you let me know. I'll be back on any time. Perfect, my friend. Don't hang up just yet, but Colton, we'll cut it off right there. Perfect. Fair enough. Hey, Big MX listeners. It's time for another commercial break. Please listen carefully to these, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels.
Hey, Big MX fans. Thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. TractionMX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, KTM, you name it. These guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one-of-a-kind. The reason why they're one-of-a-kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you can have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to theviralbrand.com and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, 10-pack of tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral Brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the viral brand. Hey, Scott, how's it going? It's Brad Ebert calling. Hey, buddy, what's happening? How are things in Canada? Not bad, not bad. Not bad, not bad. Uh, got to got to ride a. Uh, a I actually, it was it was funny. Uh, a little event we had last week. Um, there used to be a pretty gnarly sand track up here in Canada. It got shut down about uh, oh just over twenty years ago, and they basically resurrected it this last weekend. And uh, with like it kind of like co- commingled with the. Um, there was a golf tournament or a golf course that got built where the old track was. So we kind of played the golf. Uh, like this golf, uh, like we played nine holes of golf on this kind of decrepit golf course, and yeah. then we ripped it up the next day. So it was pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you were hanging out with old Al Dick. Yeah, man, two trick. Yeah, I used to battle that guy all the time. So that's cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed racing with him. I had a actually, I take it back. I actually hated racing with him. I hated, I hated the Canadians with a passion when I was a kid because I didn't like. Nice. Them. I take my money, right? And so Al would come down here, and he and I would battle fierce. It was fun, but it was it was really cool. I got a chance to race against Ross uh, Rollerball as well back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, him, 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 you and him are probably very close in age. Yeah, I'm closer to Alan Dick's age. I think. I think Alan's what forty eight, forty nine. That's what I am. I think so. Yeah. So, but Alan, Alan was. Uh, Ross was from mid, mid middle of the United middle of Canada, I believe, and um, Al was from Vancouver area. Yeah, so. yeah, like uh, Al Al's more more from the the BC area. Yeah, uh, and Rollerball is from actually he's from like basically eastern Alberta, so he's actually quite close to Saskatchewan, which is oh. above uh, Montana. Okay, well, did you did you know Carl Valencourt at all? 
Uh, I, I thought he's way before my time as far as, uh, um, um, as far like, as far as like when I was following the sport and he's from Quebec, which is uh, a few provinces over, but uh, I, I'm aware of his accolades and, uh, all of his, uh, racing going down into the, uh, the Florida winter amps and stuff like that. Uh, he was, uh, he paved the way big time for Canadians to go down there. Yeah. Uh, and honestly him and Ross, uh, battle it up pretty good back in the mid eighties. <laughs> yeah, I used to race with Valancourt quite a bit too. But he was he was riding okay, cool. he was riding Supercross back in the day. And so yeah. and he was very fast. Guy he was real fast. So and then a lot of the guys that were really involved in the sport were like uh Daryl Martins. Do you know who that you ever heard of him? Uh yeah, why why did I know that number that name? Oh, uh, he was national Canadian top five national member Canadian kid. Okay, yeah. Like, yeah. like Jay Chenier was another top five Canadian kid back in the day. They're, they're all my age, right? So they're all in their late forties. Al Dick area era, and uh, but I used to go to Canada. I used to go to Canada every and ride this arena cross series every year. And it was always they had it. It was all televised. It was always me and I was the American coming up to race Al Dick, who was a Canadian. And I had the series one. I had the series one with one round to go. And I freaking tossed it away in the rhythm section up there and just augered myself. In. And Al ended up taking yeah. the series. I ended up getting second. I was so pissed. Lost no doubt. Team. Well, it's... Yeah. it was pretty fun though. No kidding. To, to yeah. the victor go the spoil. And uh, no, I'm I'm excited to have you on again, my friend. It's, it's been a long. Uh, it's been too long since we last chatted. So uh, yeah, for sure. What's what's new and exciting? Uh, not a whole heck of a lot. Um, so tell me a little bit about, or not, I'll tell you. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Viral Brand and uh, yeah. kind of what we've got going on with that. And so, my guess, you know, we're we've been we've been pounding the pavement for a year and a half, two years now, getting viral brand off the ground, and we ended up turning up, um, you know, started turning up uh, the notch here when the new factory series goggle came out uh, a few months ago, and we ended up with uh, first we've been working on a major distributor, and that, that just hasn't quite happened yet. Really, really close. Had some great conversations with some major distributors here in the United States and ended up uh, getting in with motosport.com and they are now are the official goggle of viral brand, which is super cool. Right. No doubt. Yeah. So uh, that's always a, that, that is a big deal for us and, and it gives, it gives everybody the opportunity, at least in the States, the opportunity to be able to, uh, you know, get, get stuff right away. You know, they, they have two different warehouses, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. They ship out daily. They've got a great infrastructure, and it allows us, us to get products to pretty much anywhere in the United States within a day or two. And they've got a lot of inventory. So they've, bought a, they've got a bunch of our inventory. So, you know, running out and doing that kind of stuff isn't going to happen nearly as much as, uh, as basically dealing with us directly, uh, like, like some of the sponsor riders have done over the last year, two, last year or two years. Uh, also, we also ended up, and you, you've got a pair of the new goggles, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've got, we, all of our tear-offs now are made here in the United States. Um, all of our replacement lenses are made in the United States. Uh, roll-offs are made here in the United States. They all come, all the replacement lenses and, and stuff come no fog. And we have, uh, all that stuff also is available all through motorsport.com. So it's pretty cool, man. And then, of course, we're working on a new goggle that will be coming out here in about six months or less. And 
can't talk too much about that, but we have a new goggle will be will be landing here in about six months, which will be really cool. More of a price point goggle as well, because right now we've got our premium goggle, which comes as a full kit. You know, comes with the um, comes with the clear lens, comes with the tinted lens already in it, uh, ten pack of tear offs, nose guard, and then uh, the goggle bag, all for seventy four ninety five U S. And uh, we're going to come out with a goggle, a, a kind of a more of a midline goggle that we're trying to retail around the $35 mark. It won't have the bells and whistles and all the other stuff that, that the, the premium goggle has, but it'll be a pretty cool goggle right. as well. Well, but like as, as much as that's exciting in itself, let's talk a little bit about that, uh, uh, like the fact that you guys have the ability um, and the foresight to basically give somebody uh, like um, basically a race ready setup. Uh, nothing sell, sold separately, although you can buy uh, like tear offs, you can buy extra lenses. Um, when you invest in getting that premium level goggle, um, you get premium level service in the fact that you get a 10 pack of tear offs, like everything showing up in one box can go to the races with you. Um, so the, that in itself is, is kind of a little bit of peace of mind. They say, oh, great, I've got these, like, a lot of times, like, great, i got these new goggles, but I can't even wear them for the fact that I don't have tear-offs yet. Yeah, you know, one of those things is it's just when you when you spend when you spend 74 bucks on a pair of goggles, you should, you should come ready to go. You shouldn't have to go out and spend more money. And so we really wanted to put that package together and, and create that kit so that when you do buy your goggles, you're getting, you're getting a value. Yeah, because tear offs are another another you know seven ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine for a twenty pack, another you know clear lens would be another fourteen ninety nine. So if you go and buy a sixty nine dollar pair of goggles, then you're going to end up with another twenty five thirty bucks and just getting tear offs and everything else that goes with it. So you know we feel it's a heck of a deal right out of the box. Plus the fact that you know one thing that I don't I don't know if I told you much about, but you know we do what's called the best fit challenge as well. We work we spent a lot of time developing this goggle to get it to fit perfectly to your face. And we run a four layer foam system, fourteen millimeters of foam. And you know when we when we when we set out to do this, I got kind of a big nose. And so I wanted I, I have gap issues when I wear my goggles. One, they rub on it, bridge my nose, and two, that I have a tendency to get dirt in around my nose. So as we were building out this goggle, we wanted a way to be able to accommodate almost all face types, but also give the ability to uh, to seal really well around the face. And I think we did that. And so we've actually come up with what's called the Best Fit Challenge. And it's a 30-day money-back guarantee, which means if you buy the goggle today, go out and wear it, and you don't feel that it fits better than any goggle you've ever put on your face, you can return it, no questions asked. That's a pretty cool program. That is absolutely. That stands behind your your product, and I gotta say, um, like, and, and there's so many people out there who uh, are, are very trusting in brands that have been around for a long period of time, or they're stuck in their ways. And uh, I, I've been guilty of that myself. And uh, I'll admit, I'm almost I wouldn't say skeptical. I just um, just unsure of how how the the viral goggles were gonna perform. And uh, as soon as I, I tried on I tried on a brand new pair, they fit my F2 carbon uh, fly racing helmet, which I'll be completely honest is a very difficult helmet to fit with goggles just because it's got such a generously large uh eye port design and uh it, it just it fits like a glove and uh the the the, the vision is, is wide it's clear and uh, i was really impressed so like uh for someone who was uh, basically like putting it through the ringer i was uh i was impressed and uh, i'm going to continue wearing them oh well, good you know it's kind of interesting you know and you, and you met you met us a few years ago and 
and when we first yeah. started this this program, we we went out to the sponsored riders first, and we we really we really didn't try to sell a lot of goggles. I know it sounds kind of funny when you're in the business of selling stuff, but we really wanted to vet the goggles. So we came out with our original Vincentory goggle, and to be honest with you, it was a good goggle. I I, I still think it's a good goggle, but there was a lot of little issues that we had with it. We had a we had a curing issue with that goggle where the goggle actually uh, the frames would crack a little bit. Didn't have a huge problem with it, but we had a small problem with it. We had some lens issues, and we learned a lot during that process. But we also did it in a way that was small, and so we control. We were able to control who was using our goggles, how you know, getting all the feedback from them, and all of that feedback went into building this factory series goggle. And it's a net. You know, if you're if you're in business to do anything, it's a never-ending process to to grow your business or your product and always make it better. So we're always working on constantly making things better. And we'll do the same thing with this product and this, this, this line. And then of course, you know, looking that we're already, we're already talking about 2020 and our goggle that we're going to have in 2012. And so, you know, right now we're just, we're coming out with this, this goggle right now, which is absolutely, we think the best fitting goggle on the market. And if you, you know, if anybody out there has tried the Vincent Torrey goggle and, Kind of was like, eh, it wasn't that great. You, you got to take the time and the effort to try the new goggle because I have yet to put it on somebody's face that just didn't like it. Uh, I've had one person that uh, had a helmet that was too small, but that's about the only thing. And most people, even little guys, we've got 50cc kids that run run this new inventory or the new factory series goggle, and it fits in the helmet no problem. You just remove the nose guards because the nose guards are removable. Yeah, and you also had uh, a local kid, uh, Maguire Yaruski, rocking the goggles at Loretta Lynn's. Uh, he didn't get the moto scores he was looking for, but uh, he he was pretty pumped on the goggles as well. Uh, and and he's a pretty small individual in and of himself. So uh, whether it be my medium F2 carbon or uh, or his uh, youth large, um, the, uh, I believe he's on a 6D helmet. Um, yeah, they fit and they, they perform well. Yeah, it's it's they're they're a great fitting goggles. You know, the outriggers make a big difference, and the way they put yeah. the, way they put the pressure on the face uh, allows allows them to fit in a, a huge array of helmets. And so it's uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's fun developing and, and growing a brand from scratch. You know, that's that's a lot of fun. And watching this thing really starting to take off. And and, the, and you know, if you go to if you go to motorsport.com, I think there's like ten seven to twelve ten reviews on it right now they're all five-star reviews from people that have been buying the goggle retail and and trying it out and for the first time and it's it's something that's uh that's pretty cool and we we had we had about seven guys at loretta's this year uh we had sean wilson who's our amateur manager he was down there supporting all the the viral brand guys down there we had lance mail uh he's uh you know if, you, if anybody from from racing remembers lance mail he was the guy the first guy to ever make a supercross main event on a four-stroke on a four-stroke, yeah. Yeah, so he was four-stroke national champion. His son is a ripper. Kid is very fast. And both of those guys both qualified to go back to Loretta's, which was pretty cool. So they were back there, and, and we just had a lot of lot of fun. Josh Hernandez was back there. He's a rider that uh, back out east rides a pro sport class. Unfortunately, he crashed and got hurt back there. But, but uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Loretta was an interesting interesting week of racing for sure. The weather there is always very, very uh, – <laughs> very, very difficult to to predict. 
Yeah, and, and, and honestly, goggles are pretty important uh, when you, you might get – you'll get sweat from the heat of, and the humidity. You'll get mud most likely at some point. And, uh, and, and of course, the, 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 regular, the regular riggers that come with, uh, with motocross. Um, Viral Goggles is a huge sponsor of the Big MX Radio podcast show, and we're proud to have you guys along. Um, like, do, you, do you feel like, uh, like uh, the, that our listeners are, are reacting to you guys and, and you're, you're seeing uh, uh, some positivity on on that end? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's great to be part of your guys' podcast. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and we basically, we, we've been seeing just from all the different things, we put on almost four or 500 uh, followers on our Instagram account just in the last week and a half or so. That's between, you know, stuff that you've been doing and motosport.com. They just did a big giveaway program. Uh, so it's, it's been great. You know, I mean, not to, not to kind of butter you up a little bit, but you've had some very good podcasts <laughs> here. You know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you, my friend. And, and it's and it's guys like yourself that uh, constantly provide me with great content so that I can bring it to the masses. And uh, not just goggle talk, but uh, but supercross talk. And believe it or not, although just this last weekend we, we uh, said goodbye to our last national of 2017, all eyes now focus towards Anaheim 1. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, Scott Staffy's going to be there. So will Barn Pro's uh, Home Depot Yamaha. Tell me a little bit about uh, that program. I know you got some exciting story, uh, exciting news for us. Yeah, well, so we got a lot of stuff happening uh, on the Barn Pro's Home Depot Yamaha side. And honestly, the, the name is going to change this year. So uh, for, for today, it's still Barn Pro's Home Depot Yamaha. But here, hopefully by the end of this week or next, we should have wrapped up a title sponsor that we've been working on. Um, part of the thing that we do as a team is you need to, to be a real player. You have to have, you have to be able to, to look into the future two years or three years, and you have to be able to have the budgets to be able to do that. And so one of the things we're working on right now is trying to close multiple year sponsors so that we can, you know, hire the right rider, offer them a two or three year contract and then build that program towards the championship program. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of success last year on the marketing side of the, of the, of the uh, race team. As far as, you know, we had the BPR project last year. We had uh, lots of magazine uh, coverage last year. But unfortunately, we just didn't get the results we wanted last year. I mean, like, not that anybody just mailed it in. It's just unfortunate. We had just a lot of unfortunate things. Chris getting hurt. Uh, you know, Scott had some, some issues throughout the year. And so it just was kind of a, it was just a tough year results wise. And this year we want, we want to, we want to put it on the box. I mean, that's our goal for 2000. And I know maybe, maybe a bold vision, I guess, but uh, we are, uh, our, our goal for this year, we want to put somebody on the box. We want to, we want to hire the rider that can do that. And we want to pay, you know, we're, we're paying right now. So, uh, you know, we need to get we need to get that that next level because if we can do what we did last year as far as just building the pits and making the team you know a, a viable race team, and then getting the motor packages done and the suspension packages done and and all the things that we did last year, we now just need the results on the other side of it, and then we have a full race team. We have the marketing side on one side, which helps all of our sponsors that get involved with us, and then we have the race side, which is the results. And unfortunately or functionally, however you want to look at it, this sport's very simple. If you win on Sunday, you sell on Monday. And that's, that's, the, that's the kind of model that we want to go into for 2018. 
Absolutely. You guys made some serious noise, especially at Anaheim 2, I believe, when, uh, or maybe it was 1. Was it 1? It was Anaheim 1 or 2 when, uh, when, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was Anaheim 2 when one of the uh, uh, exhaust systems may have uh, <laughs> uh, g- g- gone astray and there, was, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of muffling going on anymore. Yeah, Scott Champ got a little loud. He wasn't going fast. Yes. He was going loud, the whole, the whole moto. And, uh, Fair enough. Going. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, every once in a while you have you have small mechanical issues, and and uh, we broke. It, it, of course, the first thing you want to do is blame the mechanic. You know, oh my God, what did the mechanic do? And believe it or not, it wasn't a mechanic issue. Scott got hit in the first corner, and it broke the head off the bolt that holds on the the um, the muffler. And so the the and so the muffler the way those those work on the Yamahas and through the through the the pipe manufacturer we were using at the time is it was held on at, at the uh, right up there by the seat bolt and then it went down and then it went into a slip on and then the the mid the mid pipe actually bolted to the frame and so when the top bolt broke the slip on just slipped off and so we ended up yeah being, being just, went. yeah just a wide open the rest of that race. So, but you know we have some we had some good results last year. We you know champ yeah. finished I think tenth uh, last year, which was like tied his best finish of his career, or if not, it was like one of his best finishes. Uh, we had John Ames on the team for a little bit, you know, and, and that was a that was a cool deal watching that kid kind of kind of grow. You know, we first got him on the team, and kid couldn't finish you know ten laps, you know, and his fitness was so far off, and then by but after the break, he got with Charles Dow and the Icon guys, and and you saw him come back in Seattle and finish a solid, I think, 11th or 12th place, and back that up the week after that with uh, Salt Lake City, and and then unfortunately some stuff happened, and we had to end up splitting ways before the end of the season. But um, and then you know Champ put in, put in the 450, he put the 450 in the main three times last year, which really isn't part of our program. He kind of went back yeah. east on his own deal, and then we provided him a bike. On the last round at Vegas, we made the decision to move him up to the 450 class, and we put the full factory effort behind him in Vegas. And the kid was rocking in Vegas in the 450 class, so that was pretty cool. That he did, and uh, and you guys do run you run a, a great program. It's going to continue to grow, and it's been doing so for quite some time. Um, like without uh, spilling the beans too too much, um, who who are some of the guys that you kind of have your your eye on as far as uh, riders for two thousand and uh, two thousand seventeen or two thousand eighteen rather? <laughs> well, I, I can't really just discuss who the riders we're talking to right now. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to tell you, you know, but I, okay, I'll drop it. Tomac's coming onto our team. He signed a seven-year deal. Boom. Boom. There you go. Seven-year deal <laughs> on the, uh, on a team that's yet to be named back down to the, the 250 class on a 125. That is going to be something. <laughs> hey, it's, it's what was, it's what it's all about, man. You know what I mean? So yeah, we we just we've been we've been talking to riders. We've got about two or three riders that we're really seriously talking to. We have one rider that has it has an offer in front of him right now. We're just waiting to we're waiting kind of wait for him to make a decision based on another team. And you know when you start getting into the level of riders that we're trying to get ourselves into, it's not they're not they're not kind of I don't know the right word for it, but they're 
they're they're a, they're a commodity, right? They, people want them. We're not the only team that wants to get these riders. So now it's a matter right. of of trying to put a package together, one that that suits them, and then two, uh, you know, you got to pay them. I mean, that's that's really the next step. You know, and we we paid our riders in the past, but it's just been you know it's been a a lot lower dollar amount with a lot more contingency. Now we're we're having to you know we're trying to get that next level rider. It's going to cost us like next level money. And the one thing that we said that really separates us that we have found, and this even went with Aldridge last year and and some of the guys that we've been talking to, we have a really really deep contingency program that we put together ourselves. And so on top of the salary money that they get, they also get you know, the, the Feld money and the Yamaha money and that or something. We put together a contingency program from the team itself that they get paid every night at the end of every every event. So at the end of the race weekend, we t- we title we, we tally up where they finish and we write them a check right there on the spot. And then they get oh. Yeah, so it's it's very lucrative for them if they do well. And, uh, and so we're, you know, again, that's part of the package that you try to put in front of these riders to make it worthwhile, you know, being, a, being an old privateer and you know racing Supercross back in the '80s and, and the, the early '90s, there's, you know, it's not a lot of money to be made from the racing standpoint, right? It's all it's all sponsor money, so you have to, and, and, and your career is short. I mean, even a good career is about ten years. So, you know, looking at that, I, I want to treat these riders with respect. I want them to have, I want them to make money. I don't want them to be slave labor, and, and unfortunately, it seems like sometimes the privateer guys end up being slave labor all the time. And so we want, we really want to make sure that, that these guys are, are trying to make a living doing this. And as long as they get results, they can all make really good money on our team. Yeah. It's all about incentives and uh, what gets a guy going more than, a, than some dollar signs ahead of them. And, uh, and you guys uh, are, are in contact with the right sponsors to make something like that happen. It's, uh, it's a deal that uh, if, if, uh, if the, if the tough get going, the tough will get paid. And, um, and that's a good spot to be in, especially uh, for a lot of those privateers, like you said, that are uh, suffering for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it's, we're hoping this. We're hoping that this year, the that the the team this year is going to be, you know, competing at a very high level all season long. I mean, that's that's really what our goal is, and you know, we're hoping that 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 all the hard work. You know, we give a hundred. We give a hundred percent every every weekend. You know, Steve and myself. You know, Steve Alton is the owner of the Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, and you know, he he does this for the passion of it. He loves the sport. Loves being involved. But he's a he's a racer, man, and he's like myself. And you know, it's it's a tough it's tough going to the races and not getting results, especially when you're competitive. And so this year, we really want to see the results side of it as well as everything else that we put together. You know, Andrew Bauer worked hard as, as our as our head mechanic last year, and it was frustrating for him to come you know go be sitting there and having to shuffle through riders again like he had the year before. And so we really. I, I, I guess we're kind of being re- repetitive, but we really want that that solid rider, solid team, and solid results uh, at the end of 2018. We want to we want to have a guy that's inside that top five. 
Well, heck yeah, man. Let's uh, let's make it happen. I, I think Eli Tomac's going to be your guy. Like, if, if there's any more someone sort of steady in Supercross, it, it's that guy. I, I question going on going at it on a 125, but uh, yeah, if if that's if that's what needs to happen. But uh, um, well, you know, you know the success, uh, with, you know the success that Stank Dog had, right? I mean, he got a, he got a big following. All because of that one point. He got a good following. I'm not sure sure if he got paid doing it, but he did get a following doing that. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> but uh, in in closing, uh, where can people find out more information on viral the viral brand and uh, as far as keeping up uh, on all things uh, like press releases and uh, and team news? Where can people find more about uh, BPR? So on the on the viral brand side, uh, you can go to theviralbrand.com. That's our website. Uh, from there, we have a shopping page. Right now, it's redirecting everybody back to motosport.com. And uh, as we bring on more .coms, we're in the midst of uh, two other .coms that we're talking to right now about bringing on. And uh, that will give you any, any and all information you want. Of course, you can also follow us on Instagram, and it's viral underscore brand. And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All of that is all Instagram, and it's all viral brand all day long. As far as BPR, uh, we have our. Uh, you can go to bprmx.com. The website is kind of disarray right now, as we're in the midst of uh, tearing it down and building it again for the new season. So, but you can go there. Uh, also, Facebook, Instagram, great places to follow and and, and uh, be part of our program. And uh, we do a lot of really cool. Uh, content during the Supercross season, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, we are officially going to do the BPR project again for 2017 or 2018, which is really cool. So a really good chance to see how you know the inner workings of a team, you know how each weekend goes, the ups, the downs, the you know the frustrations, the happiness, kind of everything involved. So. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun this year. Uh, we're going to increase our, our production quality this year a little bit. Last year was great. Uh, the guys at M66 Productions did a hell of a job, but we're going to do even a better job. I was just, just talking to Mason today about about the program for next year. And uh, oh, and then, of course, I'm back to the viral brand. You can see us in all the magazines. We're in uh, Border Cross Action, full-page ad there. You can see us in Dirt Bike Magazine. There's a half-page ad there. Trans World, the newest uh, edition in November, the buyer's guide will be inside of that. And then also the magazine guys have been using our goggles and, and, uh, testing the goggles and you'll, you'll should see a review coming out from the magazines here pretty quick as well. And anywhere you see uh, yours truly riding a motocross bike, you'll find a pair of uh, viral goggles. Don't be afraid to uh, come up to me, ask me uh, what what I think, and uh, nothing but nice things to say about uh, goggles that keep a lot of crap out of my eyes and uh, keep my eyes uh, fixated on the uh, the many athletes that are usually in front of me in most of the motos. Um, Scott, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Um, like it's it's we're, we're gonna have to catch up again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I appreciate the phone call. It's always good talking to you, and hopefully you're going to yeah. be able to get come down to California again this uh, this winter. It's already booked, my friend. It's, uh, I'm making that happen 100%, and I uh, can't wait to uh, to meet up with you guys again. Do some. Uh, I come. I came out for a testing session last year where you guys were working with John John Ames, and uh, I just just get a feel for how professional you guys run things. It was a, it was a great uh, insight, and you guys provided that for me, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. We'd love to head back out to the, out to the shop, and and uh, this year we we uh, 
looks like we might even have another track too that we'll be running at that we're going to have as our own. So that's in the works as well. So come on out and hang out with us. Killer, man. Well, uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Perfect. We don't do this often. In fact, this is the first time we've ever done it. We're going to cold call a guest. Let's see who we got in line. What's up, man? What's going on, Wheels? Uh, just got home from getting some ice cream with my mom. What are you up to? Just sitting in my computer talking dirt bikes with a bunch of different people. And uh, uh, I myself have never done a cold call as far as my podcast goes. And, and this being the very first one, um, got to ask the, the burning question that all Big MX listeners want to know. What flavor ice cream did you get? Uh, Oreo Blizzard. Heck yeah, that's the way it goes. That goes right back to Terra Firma 1. We got this place back home called the Dairy Queen. Oh, he knew exactly where I was going with that. Jason Todd, always a pleasure. He also goes by wheels. And um, that's a wrap, buddy. Uh, like, the, the the outdoor series is done. Supercross ended months ago. Uh, so I guess it just coasts all the way until Anaheim 1 for you, huh? Uh, we, still got this, we still got the GMCC series, so... I'll finish that. Right. I'll finish that out throughout the, you know, leading up to the fall, and then uh, get a little bit of a break here around Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas and the holidays and stuff like that. But it'll be short lived. It'll be fun. But then we'll be right back into it with Supercross and Arena Cross. So it should be good. For sure. And for those who don't already know, uh, if, if they, anybody sees a Pro Motocross, GNCC, uh, Racer X uh, po- uh, post on any pit, uh, um, avenue of social media, there's a good chance that uh, there's a good-looking man uh, that's on the other side of this phone call behind it. That's right. That's right. I appreciate that. So how you been? Hey, dude, I've been good. I've been working like crazy. Uh, I work construction, for those who don't already know that. Uh, and uh, I was working up north in uh, in Manitoba for a little while, doing some uh, some refractory work with Bricklang. Uh, but l- most recently, was actually able to get some throttle therapy, went out to a, uh, a local, uh, uh, almost a heritage race. Uh, there was a, an old sand track that got turned into a golf course, and uh, that golf course has since closed. And uh, the owner of that course was... Uh, was canvassed to hold one last race uh, to kind of uh, uh, have that motor, every motocross racer's dream to go try and rip up a, a golf course. So this last weekend we did exactly that. I'm sure with uh, if you've ever listened to a Pulp Mech show, you've heard of the the vaunted Austin Sand Hills, and uh, that's where we were in Austin, Manitoba this last weekend, getting some throttle therapy on my uh, brand new 2016. I guess it's two years old now. KTM 252 stroke with that FMF exhaust system. Uh, making the sound way too good. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I think I saw a picture of you wearing a mullet or something. Yes, Denny Stevenson jersey, 1998 edition, uh, providing a lot of warmth, honestly, out there on the the golf course. Uh, a like, ride 365 uh, mullet uh, from none other than Brett Q and uh, an FMF hat on top. I think it was a pretty good look. Yeah, those are those are like the 100 percent like cotton thick old school jerseys. Those are those are rough. 
Yes, sir. I believe uh, like Jersey Technology in 1999-98 uh, actually dialed things back about seven decades to something that just does not breathe whatsoever. It was all like screen printed, and like I, th- like, I think the, the jersey is about 25 pounds altogether. Um, but uh, nevertheless, it was a, it was a good look altogether. My favorite part was, of course, the uh, uh, the mullet because um, that just reminds me of our good friend Brett Q. Yeah, I actually had one of those, uh, or I actually had a jersey kind of like that, too. I had a, uh, it was like black and gray MSR jersey, and it was a top, nice. and it was, uh, like, it had, like, the little turtleneck, little, like, two-inch turtleneck yep. on it, and you look at it now, you're like, this is a sweater. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the best part is, I have a jersey similar to that. It's a Fox jersey that I wore when I was, like, 11 years old. Uh, it still fits. So either I was, uh, I haven't grown very much or, uh, it was huge on me back then. I think it's more of the latter. Um, but, uh, it, funny story about those, uh, those, those headbands with the, the mullet on them. Uh, in Phoenix, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, of course, Brett Q is there with the Ride 365, uh, racing team with Malcolm Stewart there. And, um, one of the guys I was staying with, like I was wearing one of the, the, the headbands, so was Brett. And, um, one of the guys I was going to the race with assumed that like the hair thing, like the, the headbands was my idea or like a product that I was pushing. He sees Brett wearing it and he's like, dude, is that one of your headbands? Nice. <laughs> and Brett's just like, fuck you, Gephardt. That's awesome. That's yeah, it was just just like, I'm like, no, yeah, no, yeah. I just, I like Brett. Brett's a bit of a charity case. I helped him out with a with a headband because because he, he's he's not an original thinker like I am. Yeah, but uh, too funny. Those things are awesome. And uh, uh, if I'm if I'm if I'm looking to have a really good time, I have to break out that mullet uh, headband. There you go. Were you able to watch Iron Man this weekend, or were you too busy for taking in dirt bike activities of yourself of your own? Well, that's the whole uh, my my whole knock on uh, uh, professional motocross in, in general is, is it's uh, it's it's participant sport. I was twisting a throttle at the very same time um, Jeffrey Hurlings was, and although I watched it on the uh, the NBC Gold app right after the races, it was all in uh, uh, basically like post recorded uh, action, and I, I absolutely loved it. Um, a great race uh, to to take in, and I'm glad that I have that app. So that I can keep myself uh, up on all the action because I often do miss it. Because you're right, uh, there's uh, you're we're uh, as motocross fans, we're usually taking a Saturday to twist the throttle wa- rather than watching it. Right on, man. I I don't know how it looked on TV, but I know that in person, devastating in person, watching him go by me, that was fast. He was real. That was really fast. Yeah. I think you guys. I think uh, uh, Racer X even posted a video of him going past one of the like a helmet cam rider, and that like it's like you, I've never seen doors blown off so badly. Other than maybe that hur- uh, than uh, that hurricane that's hitting the uh, the the East Coast right now. That's that's how fast he is. His dirt bikes don't even have doors, and he was blowing doors off of dirt bikes. Yeah. Oh, it was insane! The the seven eighty four in your program, uh, one one in 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 your overall, and uh, taking both. And what was more impressive to you, the beatdown from the first moto where uh, where Eli Tomac literally fell trying to go that fast, or the second lap, uh, second race, charge to the front and uh, get a little bit of a gift there with uh, with Marvin going down. But nevertheless, the guy was coming. 
Yeah, I mean, the second moto was pretty awesome watching come from the pack, but I I think I was more impressed with the first moto just for the fact that he kind of elevate he kind of forced Marvin to elevate his game a little bit, and this weekend was the most all out just sending that I've ever seen Marvin Muskin ride, and I think wow. I think there was a sense of urgency that maybe he I kind of asked him about it in the press conference and he wouldn't really admit it because that's just kind of how those guys are. But I think he kind of felt a sense of like, I got to go, I got to go, I got to beat Eli. Like there's still a chance. I got to have nothing to lose, like, but everything to gain. And man, I, I think that, I think, I don't know. I think Hurling's being there was definitely awesome because it forced everybody, it forced everybody to elevate their game a little bit. And Eli tried and he even admitted that his ego got the best of him and it, threw him on the ground so the second moto he kind of backed it off a little bit and just took the championship which anybody would have done but that first moto I, I thought the first moto was a statement moto for sure oh heck yeah and uh i think that it, this is just uh um more evidence that uh, the world focusing on motocross and motocross alone is churning out riders that uh, are, are total specialists. These guys, like, and it, it, it's totally valid. You don't have guys uh, spending over half their year focusing on how to do bull turns like No Tomorrow. Uh, Jeffrey Hurlings is focused solely on going fast outdoors, and it's it's uh, the, the the proof is uh, is in his ability to uh, come to a, a, a race on a foreign bike, on foreign soil, and still dominate. Um, I think it, it's, it just speaks volumes to how much those guys put emphasis on riding outdoors. Absolutely, and I just I just hope that, you know, fans realize what a treat it was to be able to watch a world-class rider like Jeffrey Hurlings in the United States. Like, everyone pretty much had an idea that he was my, – my prediction was 1-3 or 3-1, I don't remember – but I knew that, like, my prediction was that he would be on the podium and that he would win a moto. I didn't expect that he w- expect him to be like, oh, well, Hurling's going to go 1-1. But watching him go 1-1, I wasn't, like, freaking out, like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like, I thought it was awesome. It was, I thought it was definitely in the realm of possibility. The way he went about it with just all-out speed, I mean, in practice at one point, he was, like, four seconds a lot faster than anybody else, you know, at one point in qualifying and I was like, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was great as, you know, put the whole Euro versus American MXGP versus uh, motocross net or pro, pro motocross aside. Like I just thought it was great to have a rider like him to be able to watch that. And to, you know, I, I, I just thought it was awesome that he, that he, that he came over and I'm, I'm glad that I was able to witness it in person for sure. Yeah, you were one of the lucky few that saw this uh, absolute beatdown, and the guy just looked comfortable. He looked calculated. Uh, he looked unfazed. The guy was not reading name bars at all. And um, I think, honestly, unfortunately, unless Eli Tomac uh, was was like either just like had like taken a little bit off his fastball because he he'd wrapped up the championship, or just wasn't able to push himself because of the the environment of just kind of getting through this championship. I can't see too much changing for uh, WW Ranch this weekend. Um, I, I know Eli won all four motos last uh, uh, MXGP, 
those last two that uh, happened last year, but uh, uh, I don't know, man. That was uh, Jeffrey Hurlings was not in the 450 class, and, and he's not even leading that championship. So who's to know what's going to happen this weekend? Yeah, I. It, it's kind of hard to, you know, how do you bet against that performance last weekend? But man, I don't know. This weekend, I think Tomac is kind of on that. Now the championship's wrapped up. This is for fun. Let's just go mano a mano and see how it goes. Spoil, and, spoil their party. Yeah, exactly. I just, I just think that it's gonna. I think it's gonna be good. I think that, I think the gloves really come off this weekend. And I, I, if we can see those two guys go one on one for the whole duration of the moto, that'd be awesome. But if Tomac goes out and just kills it, then, I mean, that that's just. It could go either way. It's so hard to make a prediction. It should be interesting. That that it will be, man. And I will be watching that. Uh, I imagine since uh, your attention uh, goes more towards GNCC and and whatnot, well, you most likely won't be in attendance for this one, or will you? No, I I will be at the lake with a fishing pole in my hand. I'm taking I'm taking the hey, oh. I like that. <laughs> Yep. I like the sounds of that. And much, some much-deserved R&R because uh, you've been attending a lot of races this summer. Uh, you've been wheels on the go. Yeah, I've been I've been going strong. And, I, you know, I, I would love to be down in Florida, but, man, I just I, – I'll, I'll, be, I'll be paying attention on my phone and via social media, and I'm sure I'll watch it on TV. But, we, like I said, we got the GNCC series coming out, you know, finishing up strong, and I'm ready to, ready to finish that you know, kind of switch gears to the off-road world for the rest of the year, but I'm going to take this weekend off and do a little bit of fishing, do a little bit of hanging out, maybe see some maybe see some family and stuff like that and just kind of be a, quote, normal person for a weekend and get it hard till the end of October. Well, there you go. And almost a little bit uh, serendipitous that we would send you off to that uh, uh, time of, of rest and relaxation with uh, the final installment of wheels Wednesday for the, uh, for the outdoor national season. Um, a total cold call on a Wednesday night, albeit a few times that I'd called you showed up. Uh, you didn't answer because my, uh, my Skype doesn't come through as a, as an ID. Uh, I had to leave you a message so that you know that it was me calling, but, uh, um, it's, it's been awesome to have you on a couple of times here, man, to kind of break down the series a little bit and, uh, just talk dirt bikes because that's what you do best. I, yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, you know, let me, let me air my bogus opinions and whatever to whoever, yeah. whoever wants to listen. It's, it's been fun chatting with you. And yeah, I, you know, I, it kept coming up on my phone, like unknown number, no call. I'm like, so I answer it. And there's nobody there. I'm like, okay, this is 2017. Prank calls went out like 10, like 15, 20 years ago. This isn't cool. Right. And then it kept calling and calling and calling. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore it now. And then I was like, you, you called or you left a message. I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm the dick. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but, uh, I think it was more the connection, uh, for whatever reason, uh, I was trying to call and it wasn't going through properly, but, uh, we got to now. And, um, like, so a lot has unfolded since we last talked. Um, Eli Tomac is now the 450, uh, national champion. And, uh, and in the 450 class, and 
As far as Nationals go, Zach Osborne has exerted his will and become the outdoor championship in the 250 class as well. Which to you is more impressive, and uh, who had the more dominant summer? Oh, I mean, obviously Osborne had the more dominant summer, if you want to if you want to say that, because I mean he he was pretty much the guy to beat in the 250 class all, all summer. He showed that early on, and I mean he kind of established that he was the guy to beat. And then you know Eli came out strong, but then kind of had his struggles, and then Marvin really turned it on there at the end, and then even Baggett threw his you know, threw his hat in the ring, and then you had, or not Osborne, uh, Anderson, and then Wilson and Davalos, and it just seemed like there was this, just a mix of guys that really wanted to, really wanted to play there in the 250 class, and the cream always rises to the top, and, you know, when the dust settled, the best men were the ones with the red plates and the number one plates and cashing the big checks, so it, you know, the cards kind of fell how they were, how they were supposed to fall, and it was, and it was a, it was a hell of a summer. It was awesome to to be at half the rounds and, to, you know, be able to watch them and just to interact with those guys and kind of see, you know, see when riders were on their high horse and then when riders were also kind of feeling like they were on the low road and, you know, just to, to, to feel the the roller coaster of emotion and physical uh, testament that, you know, that pro motocross is that it, it it runs you through the it runs you through the meat grinder, you know, physically and emotionally. So it was it was cool to to have another year under my belt where I can not really be on that ride with those guys at the same you know, in the same sense, but to to be there and experience it. Well, that being said, like uh, um, you become like uh, a newfound appreciation for these guys who uh, who. A, do compete in the more across the nations and, and represent their com- country and, and perhaps maybe even a little bit more understanding to those who, um, who who choose to bow out because of such a hectic schedule. Oh, yeah. I mean, anybody, anybody who doesn't respect the fact that, us, you know, that certain writers just can't do it or don't want to do it because of the schedule, like... You you have to respect that. I mean, it's just it's it's just that's just the way it is. I mean, if a rider you can't force a rider to do it if he doesn't want to do it, then you have to respect the fact that he just feels like he doesn't want to do it. You know, they have they have personal lives and they have this that and the other. And like, I I just I don't agree with I don't agree with the crap talking that that Eli Tomac got because he chose not to go to the donations i mean i absolutely do i do i wish he was on the team of course i think that would give us an amazing chance of winning but i think we have a solid group you know a solid group going a solid group of guys going over there and i as a human as a person i absolutely respect 100 percent you know his decision not to go there's there's nothing wrong with him choosing not to go in my in my in my opinion in your professional opinion. And as far as uh, motos getting shortened by lightning, I would love to know your opinion on that. I mean, there's not a professional sport. There's not a sport outdoor activity in the world that keeps going during lightning. There's li- lightning. That's true. Lightning's not something to mess with. That's, 
that's a safety issue between all the people, you know, the riders, not just the riders, but the, the track workers, the fans, the equipment, like that's, that's a no brainer. If there's lightning in the area, shut it down, boys. We'll try it again when it's clear. But what about all these fans that paid so much money and, and, and went to the, to the race and wanted to see another five minutes of racing? Like, like, aren't they cheated in some sort of way? Nah, I mean, it's no different than going to a concert at the state fair and then it start pouring down, you know, come up a storm and then they, they send you to your car and then they, eventually you don't, you know, eventually they don't do it. It's just, it's just kind of the nature of being outdoors. I mean, Obviously, I I empathize with the fact that yeah, you kind of kind of kind of a bummer they they shorten everything out, but then again, like I mean, it was starting to get dark. I mean, it it was just I I don't see anything wrong with the way that situation was handled. I think that it was a safety issue, when, a safety concern when it comes down to it. It does it sucks? Does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. But we made the most of it, and we just they just did what they had to do. That's the way I feel. Oh, I totally agree, my friend. I was just a little bit tongue in cheek because I know that uh, you you did uh, get the uh, the business end on of some pretty negative comments. Yeah. Uh, not directed at you at all, but uh, directed at, uh, at at like you were behind the uh, the accounts that were getting uh, berated by these fans that uh, were cheated out of valuable minutes of uh, of motocross action. Um, I, I like I just, it just it. it blows me away to think that like and it's happened before in other sports uh we've had like the ice bowl in in um in the nfl the fog bowl as well as well where they had to modify uh the the length of a, of a game or at, literally in in one uh, situation in the nfl there was actually a game that was basically postponed 24 hours uh and played the second half of the football game the very next day um and, and I, don't, I don't think there's that this kind of backlash for something like that it was pretty interesting to see and uh yeah like there's there's just there's nothing that happens uh, that when you when you're uh, um, when there's lightning, nothing. No, like uh, other, other than me running to my car. That's that. There's no activity that uh, continues to roll uh, with uh, with lightning out in, in the in the area. But uh, that wasn't uh, the answer people wanted to hear. No, but man, people people are going to say what they want to say on social media, and I kind of I kind of let a lot of that stuff you know roll off roll off the shoulders and. Don't pay attention to it, though. I do filter a lot of it just because, like, some some of the really nasty, gnarly, like, okay, bro, you don't need to be saying that kind of stuff. There's kids here. Those kind of comments, like, those those usually get removed. And uh, every once in a while, I'll, I'll address a really, really dumb one. But, yeah, I mean, it's just Mother Nature's always going to win. So there's there's nothing you can do about it. So, but, yeah, I don't know. People on social media... That's just kind of the nature of being the social media manager. You just, you see all that stuff and you just kind of, you, you got to let people go and say what, you know, have free speech and say what they want. But when things get really stupid and gnarly, that's when I step in and I'm like, okay, well, these comments need to be, these, these comments are going away now. And if you keep doing it, then you just don't get to comment on our stuff anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I, I usually try and keep my my comments uh, either to myself or deep in uh, in some group chats that they'll never see the light of day. But uh, so 
That being said, um, you, you, you mentioned earlier that uh, we've got a great chance of taking the uh, more cross nations, and I, I say we because uh, I, I unfortunately spend a little bit more time talking about the uh, the American side of things than the Canadian side of things. But I think Canada is going to have a good showing this year. We've got some good talented guys heading over there. Guys, but, uh, what's your prediction for uh, for the for the uh, the more cross nations, my friend? Uh, who do you guys have on your team? Is- Who's your, who's your? We've got Colton Fichotti, as he's expected in Ophelciati. Uh We have Sean Moffenbier, the uh, the two two fifty the MX two champion, and we've got Tyler Medaglia, who uh, did, had some great rides in his own right, especially late in the season this year. Nice. I think he rides some GNCCs too, right? Yes, he does. He's yeah. a very talented rider. Yep. Yep. So, uh, I don't know. I think I think the United States will do all right. I, I think I think. I'll, I think Zacho will win the uh, MX2 class. I don't see why he. I don't. I don't see him struggling too bad. I mean, he's his program's pretty dialed. He's pretty dialed on the motorcycle, and I think I think he'll do well in his motos. Sealy's going to be solid. I I was kind of skeptical at first, but I mean, he's showed that he's he he's always a solid guy. So uh, Covington's really the wild card. Like I know he he won the last. The last GP in the 250 class, but I I don't know if we've seen him ride a 450. I don't I I honestly can't say I can't have an opinion on how he's going to do because I I've never watched him ride, so I it wouldn't be fair for me to to make an opinion, you know, without having watched the guy ride. I just I'm an American. I want I want to see the Americans do well. I want to I want to I think it's time we we bring this bring that Chamberlain Cup back to the United States where, where it belongs. Heck yeah, man. I, I hope you guys are able to uh, get all things straightened out and, uh, and take take in an, another championship. And uh, and if not, then for sure this the, the following weekend uh, at uh, or the following year when uh, hopefully uh, more cross nation is in uh, uh, is in uh, in North America or at least in, in the United States actually. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's the plan. I. Honestly, I have no idea where it's going to be at. I I can think of some places where I think it would be awesome if it was at, but I have no idea. I'm not even going to venture a guess. It's above my pay grade. I have no idea. And all I can, Troy, Ohio. All I can do is get myself in trouble by throwing out names because there would be no credibility to them at all. So, yeah, Kenworth. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go broom tangle. Um, cool, man. Well, uh, it's always, it's been a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank you for answering our our, our cold call and uh, adding a little bit of uh, content to this podcast that already featured three interviews prior to having you on, my friend. It's been a pleasure. And uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. <laughs>